I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature poet today is Gregorio Gomez. Gregorio is a major figure in the Chicago spoken word scene, where he has hosted the notorious and longest-running underground poetry venue every Monday night at a bar called Weeds, now in its 30th year. Gregorio, originally from Veracruz, Mexico, is a man of many talents. He has also been managing director of Latino Chicago Theater Company that helped advance the careers of many young Latino playwrights. He's also produced two feature films, as well as a documentary, Not Just Painting on the Walls, about the murals and muralists of Pilsen, Chicago's largest Mexican-American neighborhood. In the second portion of the podcast, I'll be talking with Dan Wilcox, Albany, New York, poet-photographer, about his world's largest collection of photographs of unknown poets. So, Gregorio, welcome to Poetry Spoken Here. Charlie, thank you very much for bringing me to your uh, podcast. I am very pleased that you've uh, uh, decided to give me an opportunity to be part of your uh, part of your programming. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I want to start right off. You are the MC at Weeds. <laughs> Thirty years. Thirty years. And there's some unique things about Weeds. Uh, uh, you don't have a feature performer. It's purely open mic. There's no admission. There's no. no, no. Don't even pass a hat for donations. No. This is not like other people. No. And then, and then for Chicago, mm-hmm. starting at ten o'clock, that's a little late too. That's mm-hmm. that's different. So I mean, is there like an overall philosophy of weeds here? <laughs> Actually, I am, I'm kind of following the format that was started by uh, by uh, Bob Sinclair. Um, and, and uh, Bob Righteous Rudnick and John Sinclair, I am sorry, and, and they started late. Uh, they were rambunctious gentlemen from uh, from, uh, from Detroit, and when I started hanging out at Weeds, and soon after I took over the mic, I just followed the format. What I did different is that I, I, I made it into a regular thing. Before mm-hmm. it was just a sporadic. I turned it into a regular thing. And when I started doing it, I went and talked to, uh, I, I, I'm waiting for the uh, MCs. And I go, Sergio, hey, where are the MCs? And he goes, ah, blah, blah, blah. he starts bitching about this, bitching about that. And then um, a couple of people were there. Uh, and I said, well, does anybody? And it just, Sergio says to me, you do it. And it just happened. Um, it Little by little, it just happened. And what I thought was was important was not the MC, the feature or anything like that and not realizing how that really became a, an ideology a philosophy that it was the poets not even the audience were important today the audience is still not important <laughs> you know if they're there thank you very much you know um, but it's the ones who are at weeds if we have Five, six to ten, fifteen, twenty poets. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we have so many, and sometimes we have six. It is they who are there that are important. And to me, that that's what's important, and uh, and that creates and that created this underground, created this uh, uh, machine that oils itself 
I don't do a lot of advertisement, even though today we have, you know, we're part of Facebook and all of that, but mm-hmm. for years, we never right. advertise. If, so, if somebody said to me, uh, what do you do with your poetry? And I would say things like, well, I make weeds. And what is weeds? I said, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know and, and so that was my thing. Well, you know. I remember. You yeah. Know, yeah, you know, you got to find out. And, 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 and of course, that, that was a way to, to just introduce the thing, make make that person asking the question more curious. And I go, then I would tell yeah. them 1555 North Dayton, which is my my introduction you know i was i was in new york one time doing a reading Uh and i mentioned i was going to do a probably the poem i have about weeds and when i said weeds this person in the front row went i looked at her like you know and she said i would never read a poem there (laughs) I heard about that place. What do you think she heard about it? Like, what? what do you think? I, I think she must have heard a lot of things. I think one of the things that she must have heard of, I think two things she must have heard of. One is we introduce you as a virgin poet. And what do we do? Can I use words? Uh, yeah. Can I use, you know, heavy words? You know, one of the things that I say is, what do we do with a virgin poet is we fuck him up. And, and, and I don't mean that literally, I mean physically. What we, we mean is that we are, it's a baptism. Baptism by fire. And 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 uh, and I and I say if you can read at weeds you can read anywhere, because right. you, you, you know I if I scare you I, if I scare you enough, then 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 uh, then you're good. The second thing that she might have heard was that we heckle, you mm-hmm. know we have poet hecklers, you know that we have hecklers. We've always had hey man your poetry sucks man or that ain't poetry and this you know this and that, um, but that only. That's also a, a remnants of, of uh, John Sinclair and Bob Radnick in which the poets talk to each other mm-hmm. or the audience talk to the poets. Yeah. And that challenged us. It challenged me as a, as, as, as a, as a writer. It challenged me as a... Then as an, as, you suck as an MC, man. What is it? I don't know what an MC <laughs> is because I've never done it. Um, I, just, I just knew that I somehow... I, I, I was planted, and um, so those those would, could have been those things that she might have heard. And it, it was dark and dingy and very little light, and it, you know there was a lot of other crazy things that went on. You know, from the bra singing in the ceiling to that half a dozen incense sticks that you know that Sergio used to burn so he could, you know, uh, kill the odor from the night before. You know <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think that the I think that 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 she would have benefited from it. To I be agree completely. Yeah, you know. I think she just didn't know. Yeah, she just. But didn't it was so know. funny when she gasped. Yeah. Right My God. <laughs> it's a great story, though. I'm glad you yeah. yeah. shared yeah. it with us. Yeah. yeah. So well, I guess I'm cool because I read it weeds and <laughs> I was a virgin poet once. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, how about how about reading a poem? Okay, I'll do a poem. Um, Whatever you like. Well, since since I do a lot of poetry that uh, that has is kind of socially oriented and all of that i'm going to read something that is not socially oriented because we're going to get into that maybe in the next in the next session this is for a good friend of mine who uh, lives now in um in uh, the czech republic she's from there so this is dedicated to her it's titled casting shadows i don't do well in the sun he burns my eyes he burns my skin although a life giver his mighty rays are dangerous to me. I lack 
to cocoon with the moon. She is soothing with her cobalt blue fragrance, embraced in her warmth, lullaby by her charm, embraced in her arms. I am a child in her womb, and yet the moon is a dark mystery. The moon rules in the shadows, the crickets and the bullfrog, the snake and the bat dance to her ebb and flow. A rhythm of love, a rhythm of bewilderment, a rhythm of enchantment, sparking the heat in my blood, letting it bubble like a cauldron on fire, putting me on the edge and calm as a and the calm is a rising storm, volcanoes at their peak, birds singing on the wire like a puma casting shadows as the moon illuminates the last kisses that you gave me, the last kisses that you left me are the ones that ache the most. That's it for a lovely lady that I was in love with terribly. <laughs> Some people think you're a tough guy, but you seem to be pretty much of a romantic, if you ask me, man. Hey, even tough yeah. guys have a soft spot somewhere in their heart, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's lovely, yeah. The moon on it, the moon is romantic, I think. Absolutely. Know? Just that, yeah. Absolutely. Just, I, I, in many of my poems, I always use the moon and the color cobalt blue. It, that 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 to me, they're 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 my signature mm. lines in a poem. Yeah, uh, you know when yeah. it comes on, and, and and if you hear, it, I don't know why, but years years ago I saw a painting. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. It was I'm talking about thirty five, thirty years, thirty five years ago. I was at a gallery, saw a painting, and it was all these dark shadows and. You know, and this blue with this kind of hazy mist. And as I looked at the painting, uh, the, the, the woman who painted it you know, says to me, what you think? And I go, you know what, I really, really enjoy it, but what's that color? You know, because there was a moon, kind of kind of hazy moon, kind of hidden, you know, behind this. She goes, that's the moon, and cobalt blue is the color. I fell in love with that phrase. Yeah. I fell that in love sounds, with that. yeah, cobalt. Cobalt just sounds blue. great. Yeah, you yeah. know, it, it's not indigo blue. It's not this. It's, it has this both power and gentleness and romance at the same. To me, at the same time, cobalt blue. You know. Yeah. Anyways, and, and it's yeah. it, 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 it like I said, it, it, I fell in love yeah. with that phrase. Yeah. Speaking of signature, <laughs> I never ask you this, but you know, when when you send an email uh -huh. or put a little note on Facebook uh -huh. and you send it, the ghost who walks. Ah, uh, yeah. Can you tell me where that comes from? What that's about? Okay. Um, English is my second language. When I came to this country, um, I was thrown into the wilderness. One, one night, I'm at home sleeping, and by 6 a.m., I'm in a place called uh, Laredo, Texas. Well, I don't pronounce Laredo, Texas. To me, it's Laredo, Texas. But and I hear all these wada 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 wada. So you know, there's cultural shock, there's language shock, that there's just people shock. I've never seen so many white people. I have never seen black people like like that I saw in in Laredo, Texas. 
And so, I, so for about a year, it took me just all these nuance, new just, things. Just to get story. oriented. Yeah, yeah just, get yeah. kind of grounded again. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I was 13 wow. years old, and nobody said, by the way, we're going to a place called the United States and a place called Chicago. You know, no, 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 just, we just were uprooted and boom, boom you know, wow. and, and, and replanted, you know, uh, in, in the city. And so it can be, it was very scary. And, and, I, and I developed two things. I became mute and then I began to stutter. Fear, mm -hmm. not knowing the language and, and you know, trying to pronounce it, that, that, that I began to stutter. And, uh, but, and I became very shy. And uh, I learned really to, to I, I learned the language uh, via comic books. Um, when I got here in 1963 and I was put in elementary school, I was put back a year because I, you know, the language, the teacher just threw me in the back of the room and gave me a book and I, that was it. Um, I started reading, at, 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 you know, I read comic books in yeah. Mexico. You know, so I picked up these comic books, and I didn't know what they were. I, I just started looking, and then little by little, I started picking out, and I started talking to different people, and, and other people started teaching me. So as as I got immersed immersed in in the in the in the in the in the, in the society here in Chicago, I read Spider Man, the Iron Man, Thor, yeah. all those things. But there was this little one called um, the Phantom. The Phantom is this hero in the dark, the dark Africa, that kind of thing, in the jungles, you know. And he was a tall, handsome-looking man in a purple suit, you know, with a black with a black mask. But he was called a Phantom, who never died. Um, but the but the local people call him the Ghost Who Walks. I felt like the Ghost Who Walks in the city of Chi-Town in those days. Yeah. Nobody saw me. Nobody cared. Nobody gave a shit. Oh. You know, as an immigrant, as a, as a, a non-English speaker, I'm in school and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. <clears throat> but I was invisible. Yeah. And because I was invisible, and, and I, and, and, but this guy was a hero. He, 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 yeah. he did hero things, but nobody knew who he was because he was the phantom. And the local people say, very cool. the ghost who walks. And I'm now the ghost who walks. Because I think I, I'm a hero. I almost <laughs> guessed, but I was thinking of the spirit. Ah. Was another, I just couldn't remember. I yeah, remember, I remember the phantom the, and yes, the spirit. Yes, I remember the spirit. And I was Absolutely. wondering, yeah, yeah. is it one of those guys or what? So Yeah, and, and I was heavily influenced by by his ideology and his philosophy of being a... Of, he was a human being. Mm -hmm. He was not some superpower like Thor. He was not. He was not bit by a spider like Spider Man. You know that yeah. kind of thing, which were great fantasy sure. uh, reads. Sure. They also taught me things. Uh, but he was a man with an idea who was taught by his father, who was taught by his father, who teaches us but our fathers. Yeah. You know, and so I I did not meet my father till I was thirteen plus years and. Uh, and not because he was an absent father, he was absent because he was, you know, he was here working his ass off, you know, putting a roof over our heads, you know, two thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and and, but when I got here, he he presented me with his uh, 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 what he believed in life, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. 
and and he never sat down and gave me the talk or anything like that. He would say things to me like, "Oh, vete por la sombrita como matando pájaros." What the hell does that mean? You know, he goes, "Go by that, go by you know by the shadows like killing birds." Well, what the hell does that mean? It took me years to figure it out. Take it easy, you son of a gun. That's what he meant, <laughs> you know. Because you know, go by the shadows, shadows, you hang out. You know, I, you know, he would say things like that, you know. Uh, where one eats, two can eat, hmm. you know. Because well, you split that, you know, he, you know, he was a poor man. He, uh, you know, he comes from the, um, uh, the nation of the Huichol in Jalisco. He's, uh, his mama and my grandmother and his, and his uh, uh, ancestors are from the Huichol nation. And and, and, you know, and so he, they have a certain idea as to, as to how to do things. And so he, I think he, he passed that on to me, not by sitting me down and giving me and, and telling me, you know, oh, mm -hmm. son, let me tell you that, you know, life. Right. He just told me things and let me figure it out later on. And I thank him for that. That's great. Yeah. 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 Wow. But you know what? Um, I, like I said, I am a politically oriented, mm -hmm. and I, I use language, I, I learned to use language both in English and in Spanish, because in English I say, I want, the, I want my adversary to know that I'm talking about him. You know, I want my adversary to know that I'm mm -hmm. talking about him. I don't, I don't want to, people, people use another language to attack their adversary, the, the adversary doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. But this one, I am throwing at it to my people. I'm using I'm using a bilingual, uh, but this is this is my thing to my community. It's titled "Open Vein." We dip the pluma into the open vein of our fallen guerrillero and give birth to el movimiento insurrección. Our weapons is la poesía y canción, a tattoo on the skin of a proud brown man or the soft silkiness of piel canela. It's the obrero on the fields who raises his eyes and grasps ideas with our minds. It's the steel worker who forges the strength of our bridge, transcending from L.A. Aztlán to Aguas Blancas, USA. It's the G.I. Forum and Cesar Chavez the Rodolfo Acuñas, the Valenzuela brothers, and Tomás Rivera, and Rubén Salazar, and López Reyes Tijerina, Dolores Huerta, the Chicano movement, and the Mechas. Are we not la raza de bronce? O somos the Chicano myth? It is us, el soldado raso, who carry the fusil. We are on the march, with La Reconquista as our banner, we bend to a knee and ask, Bless me, Ultima. I reach out to you from the winds of change, cause yo soy Joaquin in the city of winds. Y no se lo tragó la tierra. Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> I pretty much kept up. <laughs> who, who is that cluster of names in the middle? Um, what are they? Well, those are people who have been leaders okay. in, 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 in our movement. The GI Forum, as a matter of mm -hmm. fact, is a forerunner to the, uh, the African-American uh, civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. 
um, it started uh, soon after uh, World War II when, when in Texas, a white community refused to let a Purple Heart uh, soldier be buried because he was Mexican in their in right. their uh, in, in an all-white cemetery and out of that the GI Forum developed and uh, 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 President Johnson was at that time a local politician who then helped out with these things and everybody else you know Rodolfo Acuña is a, a writer a, a, a historian of course Cesar Chavez I don't need to explain yeah. if you need to know who he is look him up google his name <laughs> Um, Dolores Huerta was one of one of his right hand women in in the movement. Uh, Tomas Rivera, he, he was a do, an, an author who was heavily influenced. These are people who are influenced to mm -hmm. me, and I'm throwing it back to my brothers and sisters, saying, "Look, man, we're an open vein. We're bleeding. Somebody, you know, come up and you know and and, and lead. Pick up the torch. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm 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 giving them." And myself as well, because I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, mm. I, I'm not alone. I mean, they're not alone. I'm part of this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm letting them know that of this group of people who, and there are many more, of course, sure. who, um, who were at the forefront of, at the battle, you know, yeah. and you know, Mecha, uh, the Chicano movement, which I was involved with, you know, which is the uh, kind of a, a smaller comparison to the Black Panther. Um, uh, movement, you know, so we're the, you know, the, 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 the African movement, you know, the black in, in the, in the U S you know, there's a Chicano movement you know, where we begin to get, become politicized. Mecha is the, is, is the acronym of a, of a student movement in mm. high school and college that I was an organizer of here in, in, in the Midwest. Um, there's a, a, a book called the deliverance of solitude by, um, well, look it up. Look yeah. at the look at the the, the other's yeah, name, yeah. Uh, where where um, um, I think it was a Liberento Soledad, Liberento Soledad, where he calls us he calls the Mexican uh, we are mestizos, you know we are mixed. Mm -hmm. He calls us the the the, the bronze people, and so because of who we are, mm -hmm. um, we don't claim we're not like the United States, but we claim Mexican American or Irish American. We are mestizos. We are mixed. We are mixed, you know. And and we don't we don't say, well, I'm a Spanish, you know, because my blood is, you know, we conquer people. So you me you mentioned, bless me, Ultima, which is an Anaya novel. Exactly. But was that it, or does that also was that a generic phrase that people? No, use no, no. I, I use that. No, I, I referring use, to him. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, no. I, Just I curious. Use, I, yeah. I, because I, I use the word. I use, I use uh, uh, La Reconquista. In, in mm -hmm. La Reconquista is a, is a word that I've been using. Uh, since about the 19, middle mm -hmm. 1970s, 74, 75, mm -hmm. in the, the Chicano movement, uh, whether active or, 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 or asleep or that, the Mexican movement, uh, um, we are in, in a movement to reconquer our lands, okay. Okay, which is the Southwest. Uh, we're talking about Texas, California, Colorado, yeah. the, you know, all the, the Southwest. We call it La Reconquista. But we're not going to go at war at it. We are we are reconquering by becoming the activist political movement that we are becoming, which is now Donald Trump's kick. You know, it's telling us all this, and I'm so glad. Thank you, God, for Donald Trump, because the idiot doesn't realize how much 
is, 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 is not only uh, unifying the Mexican, but is utilizing the South American and the Central American, like the Argentina, mm -hmm. like the uh, San Salvador and Guatemaltecos, yeah. because those people are also migrating, you know, so we, we're, we're becoming a, 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 a unified. Bless Me Ultima, well, if you're familiar with the book, yeah. it, 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 it's about this, uh, um, this young boy who's going through this uh, journey. And so I said, I fall to one knee to bless. So, but I'm also saying this to Mother, you know, La, uh, La Virgen Maria, you know, Mother Mary, you know, the, the Virgin, our, our, our patron mother, because, um, you know, our banner is La Virgen Maria. So I kneel to bless me, bless me. You're listening to Gregorio Gomez on Poetry Spoken Here. I also use, of course, Yo Soy Joaquin, which is a very famous poet, mm -hmm. uh, poem, yeah. in which um, uh, um, it talks about the, the, the hist a historical out of Colorado. If you don't know who the author is, look him up. Jose Joaquin. <laughs> I'm not here to, to I'm not here for the way to educate you. Like uh, no. Alfredo Matias used to say, I'm not here to educate you. But if uh, you listen, you might learn something. Yeah, you might. <laughs> you might. I'm giving you the titles of, of things, and then you look you them up. You don't happen to have a, a poem about. Donald Trump, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. And I'm not going to write about Donald Trump. Well, good, Trump, yeah. You know? Better to not mention his name. I, I use all those references. Um, here's another one. This is, uh, okay, I dedicate this one to Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. Whispers echo. Misty apparitions wait in shadows of stars. Water from water and a moonless night. The formless, shapeless human tide listens, listens for a signal, a sound, an echoed voice, tires and gravel, a coyote howl. Dark silhouettes in headlights glare, they silently seep into the breathless vacuum as whispers echo and words tumble on asphalt, pressed Shoulder to shoulder, face to face, they bleed in steamy beads of sweat as they ride for liquid hours. Scavengers wait to feed on desperation. Their eyes glow in the distant hills as they watch the weak and dying in their endless migrant waves. Miles and miles far from the border, Far from the river, so far from home, the blinding sun is resurrection as survivors ooze into the day and from the hills, coyotes howl. Hmm. It's about uh, my brothers and sisters who cross the border. Making the journey. Making yeah. the journey. Making Ooh. the journey. You know, so... Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a kind of, but not everything. I mean, I, I write, you know, social political poetry about just being in, in mm -hmm. the United States. I, I, I like to write uh, crazy off the wall poetry uh, <clears throat> because writing is not just about uh, even even though even though even though it's it's crazy off the wall. There's still a, a an, an inner structure of humanity to things. You know, I don't have to say. If, you know, screw you uh, blatantly to, to yeah. tell you to screw you. You know, I mean, some people use that word 
you know, synonymous with hello and how are you, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so anyway, so that's, yeah. but yeah, that, 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 that piece is, is for my brothers and sisters who cross the border on a, yeah. on a daily basis yeah. and in a dangerous situation, even worse now because um, the political situation has given those vigilantes at the border uh, kind of uh, carte blanche mm-hmm. to, to a, you know, attack, you know, those people who are yeah. crossing over. Well, you want one more? Want to read it? Okay, what, what, what would you like me to read this time? Whatever you like. <laughs> Whatever you Okay, sure. let's go to one of those off-the-wall poems. Oh, that's good. You haven't done that yet. Okay, yeah. good. Cool. And, and, and an off-the-wall poem, it has, it's, but if you, if, you know, if, if you really listen to it, 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 it does have an, uh, something in, in, in it. It's not like a tasty morsel. Mm. A tasty morsel. <laughs> A strawberry, toe jam, and marshmallow cow pies are gathered by the chango man for his lion bride that waits by the sulfur seaside for his return at the rise of the shallow moon. The thunderbolts of paraffin explode from the groin of midget volcanoes that cultivate blue horned toads in winter a tasty morsel before fornication as the lioness bitch purrs in self-indulgence, wagging her tail to let her scent filter through the atmosphere. The devil god picks at his teeth with his trident and spits fire into the wind as he stroke his lyre made of gold and silk pubic strings of virgin a melodious reverberation intoxicating the beasts and chango man breathes deeply the aromatic air a roar spews from deep within his loins sending notes of his arrival as all creatures fart and jump and shrink and twist and shout as a, na- as a snake stands by the roadside promoting the new and improved shiny red apples for longer-lasting manliness, up to four hours. The native populace gathers around drums as the electric purple sky rotates and nimbus clouds with their fierce velocity and no trepidation dance in a frenzy the crescendo of this lunacy spreads as they eat hallucinogenic mangoes and smoke papaya seeds in their hookahs. On the distant hill of magnolias and marigolds, Chango man and his lioness bitch joust playfully, the shiny red apple firmly in his hands as the muse and poetic inspiration began to flow. He spoke of his heroic adventures in the Amazons and he over and how he overcame the hated goddess of Olympus and captured the evil witch Corinthia. They smoked the hookah, ate the mangoes, bit into the apple, spring, screamed and yelled and bellyhooed to their heart's content as a painting upon the wall began to melt like a bizarro episode of night gallery. Worms came out of their mouths and nostrils as a smell of shit was penetrating, intoxicating. 
as I awoke from my nightmare still sitting on the toilet. It's <laughs> <laughs> a political poem somewhere in there. Somewhere. In there. <laughs> it's a life poem. It's a romantic it's poem. A, yes. it's a, it's, to me, is is about a man coming back from war and how he's received, yeah. you know, in this hallucinogenic, you know, you know, dream state yeah, that yeah. he's, you know, he's lying in his bed, his wife's waiting for him, you know, she's all ready to, you know, yeah. do the old in and out, in and out, you know, because she's been lonely. Yeah. Anyways, but that's one of those off-the-wall pieces. You've been listening to Gregorio Gomez. You're listening to Poetry Spoken Here, and now we're going to talk to Dan Wilcox of Albany, New York, about what he claims is the world's largest collection of photographs of unknown poets. No one has ever challenged that claim. I believe he's correct. Dan, how did you get into this uh, unusual project? Uh, well, it sort of fell into it because I was going to poetry readings. This is when I was living in New York City and this was in the mid eighties, I guess, or before that early eighties. And I would go to poetry readings and um, I found myself taking notes on what the poets look like. So, you know, particularly when I was living in, in New York in the late seventies, I'd be hanging out and they'd be neighborhood poets. And if I'd see them on the street, then I wouldn't remember who their names were. But, Isn't that a poet I saw? So I was taking notes and then I realized, idiot, you know how to use a camera. You can take pictures. So I started bringing my camera along and I took pictures. I think one of my earliest pictures, I think was actually at Eileen Miles uh, poetry reading. Mm. Uh, and so I started taking uh, photos when I would go to these readings. And then I moved up to Albany and I thought I wouldn't be hearing any more poetry anymore and everything. But lo and behold, ran into this character named Tom Mattel, who was starting poetry readings. He already had a 24 hour readings against the end of the world, which I went to a few times before I actually moved up. And I started taking pictures of these events with a Canon. I don't know what I had it. TX at the time, or eventually got a Canon A1. Um, but back then, in the film days, for all the youngsters out there in the audience who might be listening, back there in the film days, most people didn't have cameras. Uh, and so often at a poetry reading, I was the only guy with a camera, including at such prestigious events as the Writers Institute up at the University of Albany. And I would show up with my camera and I'd take pictures. And then they asked me if they could get some prints of the of the photos. So, uh, and every time I went to an open mic, I'd take a picture of the poet and I'd write down their name and stuff like that. Before you know it, I had thousands of pictures. Um, and then when the digital age came in, about 2009, I think, is when I got my digital camera. Uh, it, it makes it a lot easier. But also... You know, now you show up at poetry readings and everyone's got their phones out and their, you know, and their smartphones and everything, and they're all taking pictures and everything. And they show up on Facebook even before I can put them up on Facebook, yeah. uh, you know, and because uh, they go right from the phone, I got to go home and take my my little memory card out, stick it in the computer, and do all that. Um, and now everybody's doing it now. I don't think they have the collection I have. Um, when no. I, I did the count at one time of my film. And this is before I before I switched to digital. 
and I had about 15,000 photos. Whoa. I'm guessing I'm up to around 20,000 photos in these archival photo boxes. They're all arranged alphabetically um, by the poet's name so I can find them. And I have some that it might be venues or something like that in different divisions and, and events. Sometimes if it's a big, long event, I take lots of pictures, I'll, I'll separate them. But they're all in boxes. I'm sitting right next to me right now. Then when I switched over to the digital camera, uh, I had to devise a new method of keeping track of these things. And for a while, I did a, a spreadsheet. But a friend of mine pointed out, since I use a Mac, why don't you just use iPhoto and load them up on there? I thought it would take up too much space on my computer, but it doesn't matter anymore with these nice, big, huge computers. So I don't know how many I have. I have never counted that. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that I might be pushing close to 50,000 photos. Oh. Poets. Um, you know, there's, I have some famous ones. You know, if you Google, if you Google uh, Allen Ginsberg or Ann Waltman uh, and, and you get that um, Google images kind of choice you have where you can look down the photos, if you go scroll down, you'll see some of my photos in that that mess there. Um, if if people want to see a chunk of your collection, how how do they? Oh, well, they can see close to three thousand photos on on my Flickr site, which is www.flickr. That's f l i c k r no e mm -hmm. um, dot com slash photos slash d w l c x. I suppose if you get the flicker and you forget that tag, you can probably put my name in there and it'll come up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got I Googled, over. Uh, I Googled Dan Wilcox blog before we got on. Yeah. And it came right up. So yeah. without the address, somebody could just do that. Yeah. And, and your blogs document in words a lot of open mic and uh, yep. and also and photos on, on yeah. them too. And actually, if you go to my blog and you scroll down at the bottom, there's a whole list of links. And one of the links says something like my photos or something, and you can go to it from there. But I, I can't remember when I went on Flickr, and it may have been close to 2009, but I have almost 400,000 hits on that over those years. And there'll be some days I'll get like five or six hits, and then sometimes, if I, particularly if I put up new photos or for some unknown reasons in the, in the universe of the internet, I'll have as much as 1,500 hits in a single day wow it varies have any particular shots you're uh like proud of or oh so happy that you got that picture well yeah there's a there's a couple of them like that uh, one is a, a picture i took when ann warman was in albany many years back again with the, with the film camera reading at the qe2 and she did a performance and her young nephew played saxophone and i took a shot of them and when ann came out with a huge big um, selected poems of hers, or collected poems, I guess it is, before she got into these longer poems, but a huge single volume. Each section was divided by a photo, and some of the photographers were Allen Ginsberg or Gerard Malanga and all those people. Um, and she asked to include one of my photos. So one of my photos is in that book of hers. It's a photo of her nephew who's now grown up and plays in a rock band or something like that. Yeah. So that's a good one. Another one was when Ginsberg was here in the uh, early 90s, I took a lot of pictures uh, of him performing, also at the QE2, and we raffled prints off 
for the readings against the end of the world that Tom ran. That was a fundraiser for the Albany Peace and Energy Council. And I got sent copies to Ginsburg and he signed copies. He kept one for himself and he signed three copies. We raffled two and I kept one for myself. So I have a, a photo, my own photo of Allen Ginsberg signed by Allen Ginsberg. So oh, that's, yeah, that's I'm, pretty proud. Cool. I'm pretty proud of that. This whole, yeah. The whole project is just very cool. Well, I just stumbled into it, you know, like I think of, you know, the Shaker hymn that says, it's a gift to be simple. It's a gift to, to be free. It's a gift to come down where you ought to be. And I think I come down where I ought to be. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Monley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>